Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. Well, good morning. So, um, my name is Steve Bryant, I'm Division Chaplain. Uh, thank you for being here. I'm glad you're here. They've made several announcements uh, this morning about activities coming up. There's several reasons we do activities, we do gatherings, we do a brunch after chapel uh, every month or so. Uh, we do movie nights, we do all those things. There's several reasons. You want to know my favorite reason? Man, we love you guys. We love hanging out with you. We, we love hearing your story. We love hearing you tell each other your story. Some of the stories have victories in them, and some of the stories have difficulties in them. And see the community of Christ just gather together and encourage one another blesses us. So it is okay, as a chaplain, it is a little bit self-serving, because I I just like hanging out with you. I I just like seeing you. I I like having a place that's that's just a place I can go and and just be around the people of God. our churches are arranged where everybody looks one way and one guy's looking the other way. Uh, there's, and we try to do community with that, and that's okay. But the community is also in movie night, in the Bible study, uh, in, in, the, in the lunches or the, the you know, after chapel gatherings and those type of things. So uh, I just encourage you guys to, we've had great participation, so I'm not complaining, all right? But I encourage you guys to participate because it will lift your heart up. It will encourage you. You'll meet somebody new. You'll meet somebody you haven't talked to in a while or see somebody you haven't talked to in a while. And it'll just continue just to enrich uh, your life. So so let's go. Uh, let me pray, let's pray with uh, this morning. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to open up your word. We thank you for this opportunity just to see and reflect what your word speaks into our lives. So Lord, I pray that I will get out of the way and allow you to speak your heart to your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I had Aubrey um, read this morning um, in Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> because as we have, have read this passage and watched, we watched this couple through Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs, the greatest song that's ever been written about romance. And we see something. I don't know if you notice anything. I don't know if you notice that they were excited about each other and, and saying all these things that you know, that if you say it for your kids, they'd be like, oh, dad, mom, stop, right? Um, and, and all this romance and all this love, 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 and all of a sudden there's a, there's a problem. They, they, there's a difficulty. And, and then they kind of work it out, and, and, and as, we, as Dan preached last week about how to, you know, the foxes and how to come back together and, and how, to, how to bring peace back into your home. And, and now we're, today we're back at, you know, romance is back on. Guess what? So they, they supposedly had the perfect romance and all of a sudden there's a difficulty and then they try to get back in, you know, kind of re- rekindle it and they didn't have a perfect romance. What, what does that tell me? That we're normal. That's right. That, that since we started this series, probably every chaplain who's got up and spoken has, has had that point of, man, if I, don't, if, if I don't solve this before Sunday, I can't even get up and preach. <laughs> no. I, I'm just saying and you may have said, you know, you know, if we don't get through this today, we're not going back to church Sunday because I don't hear anything about being, you know, anything else about being a better husband or a better wife or any of that stuff. I don't want to hear it. Okay. Yeah, too soon. I'm sorry. 
And if he puts another insert in that bullet and she reaches me or he reaches me, I'm just going to, I'm not going to my chapel ever again. I, uh, but the good news is you're not. The good news is that the Lord is working and moving in your life each and every day. What love songs did you grow up listening to driving in your car or truck or whatever growing up? Here's some, do you remember any of these? <clears throat> when a man loves a woman, Percy Sledge. Oh, if, don't, if you're not old, you know, some of you are not old enough to remember that. Um, some of you are, don't raise your hand. Okay, we're good, all right. You light up my life, Debbie Boone. All right, all right, I'm, I'm getting more in the crowd. I'm getting more involved. See if you can guess this one. One word, hello. Lionel Richie. He said, nice to see you. Lionel Richie, hello, right? I will always love you. Whitney Houston. Okay, here's one for you, Dad. Um, uh, or Ken. Elvira, how about that one? That would help you out. Is that one kind of in your playlist still? All right, here we go. Uh, this is probably definitely, hello, darling. Okay, there you go. So I, I felt kind of subconscious about uh, bringing up some of these oldie songs, right? Um, but, but I realized that on, on Aubrey on your playlist, probably every one of those, except for maybe Hello Darling. Maybe it is, actually. Hello Darling is on your playlist. Um, Elvira is probably not. Um, are on your playlist, and my daughter's 16 years old, so I don't feel so bad. So I was, I was scared somebody's going to come to after church and say, we didn't use you love songs from my, my era. Well, it's probably on your teenager's playlist, so go back and look at that. The title of the sermon today is, uh, what type of spouse everyone wants or should strive to be. Now, as I looked at that title, uh, it was kind of in some, re in some gatherings we did earlier. Here's what I don't want to do. I, I don't want us to leave here this morning and say, all right, all right, honey, you got it. You got the list of things you need to be working on. Uh, what this should be, the reason we had Philippians chapter 2, I had Philippians chapter 2, the Lord put it on my heart uh, this week of Philippians chapter 2 to read was the verse in there that says this. Here we go. Catch up. Philippians chapter 2 says this. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. In the sense of, I'm going to kind of change, you know, up here you may see something a little bit different. The first thing that every that we want to talk about is, what I'm going to change it is, I want to be, number one, someone that shows my spouse admiration and appreciation. This is just saying, someone that shows, just, just put it in front of it, just, I think even wrestle with it. Do I want to be? Someone who shows my spouse appreciation and admiration. In the sense that he is your hero or your, your champion or she is your queen. In, in the sense of Ephesians 5.25, you don't have to look it up. I'll read this right here. It says, husband loves your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In Song Psalm 6.12, he says, before I realized it, my desire set me among the royal chariots of 
my people. As we come back into this, they, they're, they're trying to figure out how, how are they going to completely uh, fall back in love or, or, or embrace this romance. There's been a little bit of a, a tiff, and, and how do we enter back in? And, and the, 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 what I like about this passage is this, that he is seeking her out. He's in pursuit. He's in pursuit because he, he realizes that he, he wants, he is madly in love with her and he wants her to know that. He is in pursuit. You swept me off my feet before I realized it. Desires, my desire set me among the royal chariots of my people. She says in songs, uh, Song of Songs 710, I belong to my beloved and his desire is for me. Couple of points. Declare your devotion again and again. Declare your devotion again and again. I want to be a, a, a spouse. I want to be a husband that declares my devotion again and again. Yeah. I, I probably said every there's there's a little catchphrase every, every preacher says and he doesn't realize he says every time he gets up or every time he has a gathering. But have you noticed? There's a long line of people willing to discourage you. A long line. There's a long line of events, of things. You know, turn on the news. My goodness. You know, I don't care which one you watch. Just turn it on. It's, you're like, oh my goodness. You know, or, or listen to the radio, the news radio on the way to work, okay? If, if traffic didn't, you know, if you, if you live off post, if traffic doesn't want to make you pull your hair out, you know, there's a long line. All we're asking us to do, all I'm asking myself to do is, is I know, if I know that there's things that are tearing at my, my spouse's heart and tearing at her heart and, and discourage her because of, of this, that's just life. I want to be in the short line to encourage her. That's all I'm asking you to do. That, as Jesus says, or he says in Philippians 2, more important than yourself. It goes from there. Cherish and applaud. We kind of goes back to the sermon that, that I preached a couple weeks ago about being encouraging at, at all times and, and making an effort of that. I was um, going to confess something, okay? Turn the mic off, all right. So I was in the, in the den the other day, and, uh, and I, I, got, I got home a little bit later, as sometimes we do, each of us do from, from our various you know, employment. And uh, I got home from work a little bit you know, later, and, and I think you know, your mom was going to get a child, or I don't know what's going on, but I, I was kind of you know, getting my own dinner, right? So it's leftover night, so uh, I'm getting my leftovers, and... and um, I was like, oh, I'm going to eat, you know, and I called Angela on the way home, said, hey, I'm going to, on the way home. She said, hey, chili is in the fridge. I'm like, yes, you know, you know, homemade chili, yes, that's going to be great. So I, I get my homemade chili out, right, and my, my saltine crackers, okay, I, I mean, it'd be how you eat it, but that's how I ate it. And uh, warm it up and, and sit in front of the television, watch the sports center, and uh, I start eating this chili. And as I'm eating, you know, everybody starts arriving from wherever they're going and start gathering in the den and, and, and we're kind of talking and I'm thinking, man, this is the worst chili ever. I'm like, I, I think Angela's chili is amazing. And I was like, what is wrong with this chili? And I, I keep eating and putting my crackers and, you know, doing it my way, you know, and, and, and eating my saltine crackers and I'm eating my chili and I'm like, this, this chili couldn't be, what is, is chili is, something's wrong. And I look at the chili and I look over at Angela and the girls and, I'm like, and I said, you know, Something's up with this chili. And it's about the same time when I think Aubrey said, Dad, I realized something. I'm eating the homemade spaghetti sauce. 
because it's red and I'm, I'm you know, I'm absent-minded and, and I'm thinking, now let me tell you something. Angela's chili is, are, is amazing. Angela's homemade spaghetti sauce is amazing. But homemade spaghetti sauce with salty crackers, that's not so amazing. My, my point is this. We talk about coming back together after conflict. If, if you're talking about rekindling love, our initial response in every conflict is always, you did something wrong. Instead of saying, okay, turn it internally saying, okay, what is the situation? What is going on? Immediately I thought, hey, the chili's wrong or something happened to the chili. She put something, you know, you know in the chili. That, and I realized it, it, it was me the whole time. It was me the whole time. I, I, I was, it was a failed approach from, from the first time I picked it up. And the reality of it is I was wrong. Of course, they've been mocking me ever since, okay? It only took half a bowl for me to figure out I was wrong. So I just, you know, once I figured it out, I just drank a glass of milk and said, all right, I'm done, all right? Had chili for lunch the next day. Here's, here's where we're going with this. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. If I want to be a spouse or, or, or husband who admires and appreciates, my point is about this silly little story is you can't have contempt and appreciation at the same time. You can't. And sometimes I, you have to get over yourself. I have to get over myself. I have to get over my own mistakes, get over my own flaws and kind of push through that. Always love, always protects Always trust, always perseveres. Second, I want to be someone, I want to be someone, can you put this in front of this, that nurtures the friendship? That nurtures the friendship. You know, I, um, we all have best friends, right? And, and, you know, you know, I got some friends who have like 45 best friends. I'm like, ah, it's not mathematically possible. I'm sorry. We have a close friend. But I want to be a, someone who, that nurtures the friendship with my spouse, with my wife. We all need to have a best friend and our spouse. And that, that comes over time. That, that comes over endurance. It, maybe you started that way. And, I, and, and let me be transparent with, with anybody who's single, teenagers. If you're not best friends before you get married, you let intimacy and physical contact and anything outside of God's, God's rule and God's, God's guidance when it comes to intimacy, if you let that infect that relationship before you stand before the altar and before God and all his people and, and give yourself to one another, if you do that, it will infect your relationship for the rest of your days. And it'll take, it'll take years to come to the point of best friends if you don't start at best friends. And it takes time. Because when we, get, when we use intimacy in the wrong way, it's all about me and what I want, not about you and how can I serve you. Which goes directly against Philippians chapter two is considered the other more important than yourself. But let me be clear. 
many of us may have gotten it out of sorts before. He said, well, thanks, chaplain. You just trampled all over my relationship. I said, you could, I want to be someone who nurtures the friendship. Jesus Christ can redeem everything. Jesus Christ can heal anything. We have to be protective. Are you protective? I'll come back to that. John 10, 11 through 13 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because the sheep runs away. And the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away, I'm sorry, because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. How do you protect your relationship? How, how, how do you how do you be a, am I willing to be a spouse who's willing to protect this and preserve this relationship? And I realize I'm going to grab something from Dan's sermon. I'm going to grab something from Ken's sermon. And, and kind of inject in, into this. All these things that we struggle with, because the the life in the world is willing to tear down what God calls sacred. Remember, the marriage is, is, a, is, is a, I would often call it, my marriage is a billboard. As you walk around as married couple, you're a billboard of what Jesus Christ and his love for you as a church. You're a walking billboard of this selfless service. Heard that before? Towards your spouse. Share your thoughts and feelings. Have conversation. Give permission to change. Here's one for you. Have fun together. Have fun together. Song of Psalms 7, he says this. He says, How beautiful the sandals of your feet, O prince's daughter, your graceful legs like jewels. Your work is an artist's hands. And he works his way up the list, if you know what I mean. His words deflate the, the way he is protective of this relationship is he knows that his words to her deflate the discouragement of the past. Let me say that again. He is protecting the relationship because he knows his words of encouragement deflate the discouragement from the past. So I, think, I think sometimes we... I think sometimes we don't realize the impact we have on each other. Because you may have a rank in the military, you may have a rank in your civilian job, or you may be a, a teacher who, you're in the school system, who, you're the principal or the vice principal, or, or whatever, you have your children, and you, you walk in and, you know, the children do what you say. There's instant results. Or you walk in and everybody stands up, there's attention, right? You know, whatever. But that's, let me tell you something. Heart, deep, heart set impact. There's none greater as you as a husband towards your wife, a wife towards your husband. And let me tell you this again. And, and parents towards your children. They may roll their eyes, they may, they may huff, but nothing is greater. It is knitted in our hearts by God's design. It is part of creation.
Song of Songs 711 says this, Come my beloved and let us go to the countryside and let us spend the night in villages together. How many of you have come home from a long trip with work and your spouse says, hey, let's take another trip? Or, or, or those in the military, you've been in, you know, in the army, you, you've been in the field, you've been at PTA for a month, and you come home and your spouse says, hey, let's go camping. <laughs> that happened to you? Okay, some of you laugh because it happened, some of you ain't laugh because it happened, or some of you just said it, and you're like, too soon, all right. But, but the idea here is, is that she wants exclusivity to herself. She wants exclusivity to herself. That is vital in our relationship if you want to nurture the friendship. I encourage you. Whether it's five minutes, five hours, five seconds, five days. Nurture the relationship through exclusivity solely with your spouse. I want to be number three. Someone has a realistic expectation and is forgiving. I want to be a spouse who has realistic expectations and is forgiving. Here's a start realization. Newsflash. Your spouse is a sinner just like you. Nah. Early on in our marriage, Angela, I'm not, well, I am bragging, okay? In July, we'll be married 30 years. Okay, I know she looks 28, but we're going to be married 30 years. Um, early on in our marriage, I, I blew it. I mean, I, I blew it so bad, I can't even tell you what it did. I messed up. And I was broken before God. I was dead to rights. It wasn't her fault. It wasn't their fault. It was all on me. And my, and my spouse told me something that revolutionized our relationship. She says, Steve, this is not a mistake-free environment. We're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. And when we make mistakes and we foul it up, how do you come back to that point of this intimacy is so important this intimacy is so special, and this closeness is built on friendship, the very person I may have offended or sinned against is the very person who could help me get through this. It's tough. Be kind and compassionate one another. Ephesians 4.32, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. You see, that's what gives us the courage. That's what gives us the boldness. That's what gives us the capacity is knowing it's not in my own flesh. Look, I'm, I'm black belted holding grudges. How about you? You know, Cobra Kai. I'm Cobra Kai when it comes to holding grudges, all right? All right, some of y'all watched it, all right. I wish they wouldn't have so much language in that, anyway. That's a side note. 
but forgiving. Why? Because Christ forgave us first. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't let, not, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that may benefit those who listen. Song of Songs 6.11 says, he went down to the grove, went down, he says, I went down to the grove of nuts trees, looked at the new growth in the valley, and see the vines that had budded and the pomegranates were in bloom. If you know what I mean. Again, he knows her history, and he seeks her out. When I'm talking about being a, a spouse, I want to be a spouse that has realistic expectations and is forgiving. Song of Songs 8.1 says, it, uh, if you're only like uh, like a brother who nursed in my mother's breast, then I'll be, if I found you outside, I would kiss you and no one would despise me. You know, like, you know, it's like, you know, if you're, it's like the needle drags across the, 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 the record at that point. You're like, what? What did she just say? Let's read it again. If only you were like my brother who was nursing my mother's breast, then I would be found. I would find you outside. If I found you outside, I would kiss you and no one would despise me. What, what is it saying here? So we look at the commentators. There, there's, this con, there's this idea that she is so excited and infatuated and in love with, with her uh, man with with him that she wished she could, everybody because the norm custom norms is, is a father could kiss his 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 daughter cousins could you know kiss family could kiss but not that no no intimacy could be shown outside and she's like I want everybody to know what I feel number four I want to be someone who establishes I want to be someone who establishes and keep his pro keeps priorities. I want some, I want to be someone who establishes and keeps priorities. A after Jesus Christ, he's number one in my life. He should be. It, it, let me be honest. That's easy to say, isn't it? You know, Jesus is number one in my life. He's, he's my Lord, my Savior, and, and all that. But I dare say, if, if you don't strive towards that. You know why Jesus is number one in my life? Not because of my ability, but because he supersedes everything and says, hey, I'm number, I, I gave my life for you. I'm number one in your life. I am number one. For it is a fact. You can either live in it, and you can enjoy it, and you can follow, follow it, and you can enjoy the fruit from it. That's your choice. I want you to enjoy this relationship. After that is your spouse. I want to be someone who establishes and keeps priorities. It's work, is it not? Now, nobody has a corner market on busy. No one. We're all busy. And I can whine about my week, and you can whine about your week, and I can say, hey, you know, I, you, know, I, you know, I saw the sun in my backyard, you know, Saturday, but I didn't see it any time anytime during the week. Whatever. We could all say that. But making your spouse, that this relationship, a priority takes work. Maybe you have to schedule it. Maybe you have to schedule time. Maybe you have to schedule intimacy. Maybe you have to schedule time to talk. Maybe you have to schedule time to fellowship. 
Maybe you have to schedule time to have fun. Maybe you have to schedule time to have a trip. Make an effort at it. I encourage you to look at it from the perspective of how do, how do my other priorities show up? It's not a priority of time. It's a priority of effort. It's a priority of intentionality. I'm going to I'm, I'm intentional. I used to tell soldiers all the time when we first started doing marriage retreats. You know, and, and, and unit, I was in at the time predominantly male soldiers, and they say, you know, hey, I, I went home and told my wife, I, I signed us up. He didn't call to say, hey, do you want to go on a marriage retreat? He went home and told his wife, I signed us up for a marriage retreat. I said, brother, you're 95% there. Intentionality of saying, hey, we're going. We're going to be together, uh, making priorities. Hebrews 10.24 says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. How do I help you in your, in your walk with Christ? How do I spur you on to love and good deeds? How do I bring the best? I see your talent. I see your ability. I saw it when we were dating. I saw it in our, in our young married life. I see it as we grow. How do I spur you? How do I help you grow in your faith? How do I help you become more like Jesus? How do you help me become more like Jesus in our life? He said, your head crowns you like... Mount Carmel, your hair is like a royal tapestry. The king is held captive by its tresses. Now, depending on who you read, depends on what we've, we, everyone of us has said this. Because this is a poem, it's a song. You know, and it's just like some of our love songs from the 60s, we don't know why the author you know, wrote that in there. Maybe because it rhymed. Um, maybe because it was what was on their mind. Maybe because it illustrates back to something like this. But, but the facts are is that he is held captive by either literally by her hair or figuratively but in his heart. And I would say both. You know, it's funny, we'll, I'll sing with Lionel Richie on the way home on the 80s channel, right? The 80s radio channel is, is the number, number it's the second button on my, on my radio in the truck on the way home. I'll sing, but I get all sheepish and start sweating when I if I were to say any of those words to my to my bride, why is that? Why is it the world has so conditioned us not to be vocal about our just go back to her? I want everybody to know what I know. Why have we been so conditioned through through difficulty and trial in life that we weren't willing to look our spouse in the eyes and say, You are the most beautiful woman in the world? You are the most Wonderful, handsome man in the world. Why is that? Now, I've got a theory. We have an enemy called Satan who hates marriage and hates the, the, bull, the billboards walking around displaying the love of Christ and the testament of Christ's love for the church, and he will do anything he can to tear it down and discourage our hearts. Song Song 713 says, um, you are on my mind. The mandrakes and send out their fragrances in the door of every delicacy, both old and new, have stored up for you or my beloved. She is preparing, if you know what I mean. She's on, he's on her mind. She's preparing in her mind for that, that time together, to, for intimacy, that time to get together and celebrate, that time to come together and, and, and be with one another. She is desiring to have intimacy with him. She is on 
He is on her mind. Working at it. Being intentional about it. Understanding the importance. Understanding all the orders and all the, the, the planning and all the everything in this world, but nothing moves the heart of a man like his bride, and nothing moves the heart of a woman like her groom. Number five and final one. He's like, no, word, how many has he got? I want to be someone who enhances romance. First step of enhancing romance is number one, guard it. Guard it. Make it a priority. Make it something that you are intentional about. And, there, and, and at the reason that is a struggle with, with many of us, there are things in our past that prevent it. And if you need help, get help. If you're talking to talk somebody, talk to someone. You need to talk about it with one another, talk about it with another. But it's as this world has beaten us up along the way, and mistakes we make along the way, getting to that point if we can freely express our love and devotion and romance towards one another is going to be work. Ken talked about it in his sermon. Dan alluded to it in his sermon. If not, there are foxes who will come along the way, as Dan said, that will give you a temporary fix for things that God intentionally designed for you to have over time throughout your marriage. You've got to guard against it. Hebrews 13, 4 said, Marriage should be honored by all the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexual Sexually immoral. One thing, communicate about it. I already said that. Number two, prioritize. I already said that. Number three, teach. She says, um, I would lead you to bring to my mother's house who has taught me and it would give you spiced wine to drink and nectar of my pomegranates. All right? Do I need to go into that? No, I'm good. All right. Teach. I kind of love what you said earlier. The reason we do communion in front of every, with all the children here is because we want your children to say, hey mom, hey dad, why do you do that? Why do you, why do you get to drink the little juice and I don't get any? Why do you get to eat the little cracker and I don't get any? Hey mom, hey dad, why do, they, you know, why do, why do those two people go swimming in front of the church? Yeah. Hey mom, hey dad. Why are you, all kissing on, all, you, all you guys always kissing on each other? Right? I got some giggles. There we go. Yeah, got, I, I didn't get many amens, but I got giggles. All right, that's good. Hey, Mom, hey, Dad, why, why are you always holding hands when you walk around outside? Hey, Mom, hey, Dad, why do your eyes light up when you see each other? And let me tell you, your romance story, what our prayer is, will lead back to a romance story of Christ's love for you. Let me tell you, son, because Christ loved me first and forgave me. He has put in a, a, a fire in my soul that causes me to love your mother. It always goes back to Christ. Can, can it be transparent and clear? You, you, can't, you can't do this on your own. You can't. I can't. I've got a theological degree. 
I cannot do the things we talked about without the help of Christ. So I ask you, even, even through our communion time this morning, if the Lord's kind of touched your heart over the songs we've sung, over the weeks we've talked, over the gospel presentations have been given, the conversations you've had, if you realize that the Lord looks at you and says, I want an intimate relationship with you, that is the strongest foundation for you to look at your spouse and say, I want an intimate relationship with you. It starts, it grows, it ends with Christ. And I'll point you to that. So in a second, we're going to take communion. Let me, let me there's different traditions we've grown up in. I understand, you know, but, but I understand it. I ask you this, as we just kind of pray over this in a minute, that you just kind of make just a, just a sacred time in your pew. Hold that cup and hold that juice and say, yes, it was a cup and a, and a, and a piece of, of bread or cracker. And say, Lord, I, you know, first I want to be right with you. Lord, forgive me for some things, you know, touch, you know, if you don't know Christ, Lord, I, I want you in my life. It's the best way I know how I want you in my life. I want to, want to know you. If you do, and say, Lord, I've, I've strayed and I, I, want to, I want to be back in, in, in relationship with you. And then, you're right with the Lord. And you have the courage and the strength to be right with your spouse. And then you're the model example to be right with your children. That's where it starts. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to talk about you and what you've done in our lives. Lord, my prayer is that as we take communion together, that you will truly make this not just a rep repetition thing or something we do once a month, to truly be a sacred holy time just to, for a minute uh, to be with you. Lord, help us to be right with you first. So may we be right with our spouse and leaders of our family. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.